I don't need your help. I can do it all myself. You ever hear anybody say that? You ever said that? I know better than others. You see, it seems like a phrase many of us would say out loud, but many of us actually don't. In fact, if we're to be honest, we prefer to keep our walk with God private more than we'd like to admit. So far, we've looked at two qualities of the church, that it's Christ-centered and it's repentant. Today, we're going to deal with one that I venture to say many churches do not like to hold to, that a church is to be accountable. If you see the different scandals that go on across this nation, from many popular church leaders to those that are in the Christian community that walk away from the faith entirely, I venture to say that the one area that is lacking in many of those instances is accountability. Accountability, as rough as it may seem to have that important in your church, that is one of the most important things we can have. In fact, when we talk about accountability, what am I talking about? Accountability at its basic premise is subject to giving an account to or for. Being responsible to someone else. You see, most people, when they think of responsibility, they think everyone else is responsible. That's one of the reasons why, when it comes to politics, we point at the other side for not being responsible. And it's their fault. They need to take personal responsibility. Well, we talked about it last week with repentance. We ought to take responsibility. Same with accountability. You see, we're going to look at three things specifically when it comes to uh, accountability. Number one, the reality of accountability. Number two, the lack of accountability. And number three, the benefits of accountability. So number one, the lack, uh, the reality, sorry, the reality of accountability. Just as we spoke last week, when it comes to repentance, it has to start with God first. You see, here's the reality. Every single one of us is accountable. Whether we like it or not, we are all accountable before God. It doesn't matter whether you believe he exists or not. It does not matter if you believe Jesus is who he says he is. It does not matter if you've even entered a church building. All of us are accountable to God. We're born accountable to God. Here's the reality. All of mankind has been and will always be accountable to God. The church that is to be pleasing to God needs to know that it's accountable to God, and that is why we share the gospel with those that are outside the faith. What's awaiting many who do not know God after this life is more terrifying than anything you've seen this past year, than anything you see going on right now. In fact, the reality of judgment is so difficult for many to grasp that many avoid talking about it altogether. Here's what God's Word says they will be accountable for, and this is anyone outside of Christ. Turn your Bible to the last book of the New Testament, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 15. This is... Those that are outside the faith, what they're accountable for. 
These, these are those that have not trusted Jesus Christ. Let's start at verse 11. It says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the, their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let me tell you something. One of the things that's lacking in churches today is the reality of hell. That people are going to be accountable to God one day for not having trusted Jesus Christ. Church, if we're to be a church that God is pleased with, we need to face reality and let others know about that reality. They don't get to escape accountability with God. We don't get to escape accountability with God. In fact, this is serious. This text has been neglected by so many people because people prefer to teach on love only in the Scripture. These texts of Scripture should be taken very seriously. In fact, Jesus spoke on hell more often than he did on heaven, if you were to go back and look. Yet most people don't pay attention to that. There's an absolute deliberate neglect to preach the whole counsel of God by many churches. God is a God who loves, believer. Amen to that. But he's also a God who is holy, holy, holy. Which means he has to judge sin. Even a favorite verse that many of us have quoted, that may be the only verse you've ever known if you're new to the faith, maybe even outside the faith. John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not, what? Perish, but have everlasting life. That perish there is the second death. Separation from God's grace and goodness. This perishing is what's referred to here in this text as the lake of fire. As one author puts it, Hades is the temporary abode of unbelievers and their spirits until the great white throne judgment. Hades is the unseen place where all non-Christians, including believers from other dispensations of unbelievers who have died, will reside until their resurrection. It includes paradise and Gehenna, also called Abraham's bosom and the place of torment and anguish that Jesus speaks of. Respectfully, it is a place of conscious torment for unbelievers. Hades is the New Testament word for this place, and Sheol is the Old Testament word. To put it plainly, believer, apart from Christ, it's outright terrifying what's awaiting. As much as we warn people of what's coming in this country, I want you to realize there's something more real that's coming after this life. As good as, as good as it is for all of us to claim 
that God is love, imagine looking into the eyes of a piercing holy God who cannot take sin in front of his face. It's more than likely God the Father and God the Son who are going to do the judging. You see, none of our righteousness qualifies. That is what makes John 3.16 so incredible and so serious all at the same time. God so loved the world that he gave us his son, Jesus. We place our faith in him. We believe he truly paid for sin. And as we talked about last week, we turn from all of that and we fall at his feet for mercy. He loved us enough to provide a remedy that was not deserved by any of us. Let me tell you, believer, when it comes to accountability before God, we don't get to tell him what we want to be accountable for. So if you're one of those people that says, hey, you know what, I don't like accountability. I have to break it to you very straight and plain. Tough. You and I are always going to be accountable to God. As believers, we're still going to be held accountable before him. In a different sense, because we have Christ that represents us. In Romans 14, verses 9 through 12, look at what it says. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Another text actually clears this up even more. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 11. Most of us are familiar with this if we've been in the church any amount of time. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Believer, this is a context to the church. You have to, you have to get over some of these false Notions that you have about God. That God is so loving, he'd never discipline me. Now, most of us say we agree that God disciplines, and we, we agree that that's in the Bible, but many of us don't realize how severe that discipline can be sometimes. It could be to the point of death. Do you realize that? There will be rewards for those that are faithful, and they'll only have loss for those that are unfaithful. Christ. The choice is ours when it comes to being accountable before God. But the reality is, we don't have a choice about being accountable. We are. Number two, when it comes to accountability, the lack. Let's take a look at the clear lack of accountability in Scripture that many of us are familiar with and grasp some practical wisdom from some of this. 
In 2 Samuel, we have a story that most of us are familiar with. It's the infamous story of David and Bathsheba. Let's look at verses 1 through 5 in chapter 11. It says this, It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David, and said, I am with child. See, most of us that have grown up in the church, we know how this story ends, if you will. One thing that we neglect to see clearly in this text sometimes is the neglect of accountability and the absence of it completely. Oh, David is held accountable later on. Nathan comes around. Nathan says, you're the man, not in a good way. (laughs) You're the one that's at fault here. David's closest advisors or counselors, if you will, were not to be found when he made this terrible, tragic mistake. His sin that he fell into was one that would have been very easily avoided if he had been doing what God called him to. If he had the counseling around him that was wise. If he had someone that he was accountable to. You see, this sin of adultery, which later ended up being deceit and murder to cover up the pregnancy, started with one simple thing that many people don't pay attention to. David himself was not accountable to those around him. David, as a king, thought he was above it all. And see, many people, they tend to do that. In in positions of authority, I don't know if you've paid attention to this world, many assume they're not accountable to anybody. Let me tell you, as I said earlier, they are accountable to God. So believe me, God will take care of a lot of the things that you don't think he will. One of the most dangerous things for any of us to do is being alone in the fight against sin. It's one of the most dangerous things. I had a professor at college. I never understood it when he said it. But as I look back, it was one of the most helpful pieces of advice he ever gave us. He said, you know what I do when I'm alone at home and I feel temptation creeping in? I get in my car and go to Walmart, and I'm reminded of how wicked this world is and my heart is. I probably wouldn't go to Walmart. But I'll tell you one thing that I did learn from that is that by yourself, it's hard to face temptation. It's very hard to face temptation. It doesn't matter how passionate you are about the things of God, how long you've walked with Him, you and I can fall very easily without accountability. 
You may, you may assume that you have accountability because you spend some time with people, believer. But are they holding you accountable to Scripture or just a better version of you? Oh, you seem to be better today. Here's what happens, believer, when you and I lack biblical accountability. And there's a difference. There really is. 1 Corinthians 15.33, look at what it says. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Who are you accountable to? What's stunning to me is a lot of Christians are accountable to the world more than they are the faith. They care what the world thinks of them more than they think of what God thinks of them or other believers that are faithful to Him. Proverbs 13.20 He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Remember, believer, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be someone that's wise, you ought to start with fearing God first. You see, David still gave in to the sin of adultery with Bathsheba because nobody was there to keep him accountable. Don't be deceived that just because you're around others, did he have messengers that were around him? Yeah, he actually sent messengers. Did that stop him from committing the sin? No. Now, a lot of speculation goes around why they didn't tell him, hey, David, you know better. But the reality is he didn't obviously have accountability that stopped him from doing this. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? One thing that's absolutely stunning to me, and, and I've watched this over the years, I've got to tell you, this is just something that stuns me every time. People that are believers, that are disciples of Jesus, that trash other faithful disciples of Jesus and take the position of the world against the church. There's nothing more disgusting than that in the church. When somebody wants to live a holy life, someone accuses them of legalism automatically. Don't be that person. Oh, there's plenty of legalism in the church. Not all of it is legalism, believer. Don't you dare go there. If a person says, I'm not going to watch certain things on my TV, does not mean they're legalistic. If they're telling you, you have to do certain things that they're doing as standards, that might be legalism. This is what's sad, is from these people, you hear phrases like this. You don't really need to wait till marriage. God understands. These are people that call themselves believers. You have phrases like this. This isn't what Jesus was really talking about when he mentioned hell. This is what you have in the church today, believer. Here's another one that's very popular. Oh, they are so holier than thou with their standards. They know nothing about loving you like I do. They're just so judgmental. You see the irony in that? What's really sad is a lot of the church is accountable more to the world than they are to the Word of God and other faithful believers. 
That's why a lot of church leaders want the popularity of the world more than they want the holiness of Christ. The lack of biblical accountability leads a believer to take the side of the world instead of the side of Christ and his church. In fact, what happens to a believer like that is they excuse sin and believe that God does not hold them accountable for it. And what's even more damaging is they bring others along with them in that deceit. That's one of the reasons why one of the most dangerous places for a person to be is in a church that completely denies half of what this Bible says. Oh, God didn't really mean that. You don't have to worry about hell. Hell was invented later on. Those are all the lies that people propagate in their churches that are denying the faith. The lack of accountability is especially noticeable in our churches where church membership is no longer important. It means nothing in churches today. How do I know that? You just tell the church you want to be a member, they'll throw you on their voting roll. Just tell them you want to be a member of this church, they'll sign you up, oh yeah, great, you get to vote in the next business meeting. And that's the extent of membership for a lot of people. One of the reasons church membership does not matter much is because there's no accountability today that they had in the early church. You see, the church was always meant to be distinct from the world. But when you accept anything goes in a church and says, hey, you know what, you can be whatever you want to be, you can live whatever sinful lifestyle you want, just join our church, give to our church. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 12 through 13, look at what it says. For what have I to do with judging those who are also, are also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Listen, believer, the most important thing that is missing in the church right now when it comes to sin in the church is accountability. If the church tolerates sin, it's no longer doing what God has asked of it. You are to hold one another accountable on this church. You ought to hold me accountable to the Word of God. That's biblical accountability. The church, right in its beginning stages, realized that there's more than just a casual connection of of hooking up and, and fellowshipping with other believers. There was a seriousness to it. Why? Because if you entered into a local church, a local community of believers, you were ostracized by others. Meaning, those outside that local community did not want to talk to you. Here's the problem with the modern church. We want our church, local church, to like us. We want the world to like us, too. Let me tell you, believer, there's one thing that is coming, and we all need to be ready for. There's going to be a hard divide on this one. There's going to be a hard line that's drawn. What do you prefer? To be liked by everybody or by the faithful that want to stick to the Word of God. And you have a decision to make, and I have a decision to make. If you want biblical accountability, then it should be a priority for you as a member of Sovereign Grace Church to take the Word of God seriously. 
to come to gather with believers here on Sunday morning. And I understand some can't during this time, but I'm saying if you have the capacity to do that, please come. To desire to meet with others, to hold one another accountable. If you're interested in being a member at this church, come talk to me. I really would love to talk to you about this. But realize that it's going to be more than just, hey, we just want to add you next week. Join. These are areas in our church that we're trying to work through as a leadership, that we need to work through as a leadership. Because what we find strange sometimes is that we have many people that are apparently on the role of Sovereign Grace Church that don't attend this church anymore. There needs to be a seriousness in our churches when it comes to accountability. Having examined the way we've dealt with church membership in the past, we have certain things we need to look towards in the future. We believe each member of the local body of Christ has been given a task by God in that church. There shouldn't be a single member in this church that doesn't in some way contribute to the whole body of Christ. So we see what happens when we have a lack of accountability. Let's look at the last part, number three, the benefit. The benefit. So you might be saying, this whole accountability, it's kind of scary, isn't it? Like, who wants to be accountable? I don't want to be accountable to another person. Why would I be benefited by that? Well, let's take a look. What are the benefits? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says this. Therefore, this is to the local body of believers, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Listen, believer, I know you like the formality sometimes in church, but can I cut to it directly to you? You need the truth. Sometimes you aren't doing so well. I'm not doing so well. You need accountability. You see, Later on, Nathan the prophet calls out David and tells him that he's the one guilty before God. Now, he goes about it in an interesting way. He uses an illustration of a sheep being stolen and, and, and infuriates David, and then he just reverses it on him and says, and that's you. You are the man. The great thing about David, as furious as he was with that illustration that Nathan gave him, he broke down and realized how guilty he was. You see, a lot of us, we, we, we like to pretend we're, we're tough and we are spiritual warriors for Christ. Let me promise you one thing, believer. When you fall into sin, you, you need some grace to get back up. You're going to need to understand that you're not going to look so tough at times. David, as a mighty warrior of God, had to be humbled. There were some severe consequences, too, for that. Pay attention, believer. Many of your frustrations with others are simply a reflection of your own sin in your heart. You're prone to find the sin in others that actually resides in your own heart. Being told the truth is very helpful to us because it keeps us in line with God's word 
And that is why godly accountability is so important in the church. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Listen, believer, the benefit of biblical accountability is that it's meant to build you up, not break you down. You already have enough horrible things going on. Why would you not need somebody to help you get back up? How many of you have ever made a big, serious mistake in your life and you really wish somebody was there to have stopped you from doing it? That's why accountability is important. Notice how I said mistake. The reality is, believer, it was sin. You and I need to be reminded that there's a God who cares how we live, and he does want us to live holy. James 5, 6, this is one of the reasons why we have discipleship groups in this church, believer. This verse is the reason why I find discipleship groups so essential for every person that's a member of Sovereign Grace Church. Look at what it says. Confess your trespasses, your sin, believer, to one another. Does that mean everybody? That's around you? Now, there's a certain group that's obviously implied here. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What stuns me is everybody quotes the last part. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. A lot of people don't like the first part. Why? Just not comfortable. Why would I want to confess my sin to somebody? What, are they a priest or a pope now? Is that what we're talking about? No, because look at what it says in the text. And pray for one another that what? That you may be healed. You're not confessing just to confess as if they have any reason to, to now let you get away with sin. You're confessing because you want healing from God. There's a huge benefit of accountability when it comes to discipleship in the church. Where a small group of men or women hold each other accountable. Let me give you a hint of when you know you're doing this verse correctly. When you can share one of the hardest things you're dealing with openly with somebody else in the church. And they're going to pray for you and not judge you and condemn you, knowing that they are made of the same stuff that you are. It's a tremendous benefit to have a church where people can go to another church member and say, can you please pray for me? I've been a terrible husband this last week. Can you please pray for me? not live the way God wants me to. Accountability is necessary for all of us. In fact, those that are to be held most accountable are those that are leaders in this church. I'm going to finish with the benefits of accountability with this one passage. This one passage that I believe is quoted practically every wedding that I go to. You've probably seen it up on banners. I don't know why we don't take that advice when it comes to accountability 
in our relationships in other areas of our life. In Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, look at what it says. Two are better than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. See, believer, you see how accountability is important? You see how having somebody else is important? Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This isn't just a cute marriage passage. This is the Word of God telling us it's important to have somebody else alongside with us. It's a huge benefit to have someone come alongside because you and I are stronger because of it. Let me promise you one thing, believer. You know when you're weakest? When you're alone. You know when you're strongest? When you have others alongside you. Sadly, too many people find accountability offensive today. And it's worthless. One of the reasons why they fall so easily into sin and they have a hard time getting back up. So in conclusion, believer, there's a simple question that I know we've answered, but I do want you to think this through. Who are you accountable to? We're all accountable to God, believer. Whether it's somebody that is in the faith or outside the faith, we can't escape that. All of us are accountable before God. God is not looking for a fancy prayer from us. He simply asks those of us that are not followers of Christ to simply put our faith in Him. And believe that the finished work of Christ is enough to take away the judgment that's awaiting us. But those of us that have trusted Christ, it's important that we obey Him. And we find others that are walking with Him as well. If you're not accountable to someone else, look back over these past few years and tell me how solid your walk has been. Even the best among us, if we were to be honest, have slipped up and walked away from the faith at times. If you're accountable to somebody else, Maybe it's important to talk to somebody that isn't and share your experience with them. Some of you have learned the school of hard knocks in some of these areas. It'd be a benefit to you to tell someone that doesn't care about accountability how important accountability is. And let me tell you right now, that's a responsibility that God has for you. He didn't put you through all that just so you can keep it to yourself. You want to be a loving brother or sister, you share with somebody else that hasn't had accountability and share with them how dangerous it is to not have it. God encourages us to stir one another up to good works. And that can only happen, believer, if we're in the Word of God ourselves. This is so important. So as we close, take the time to pray. Pray about this because I believe that God is pleased with the church that holds one another accountable. Let's pray.